We'd like to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast. I mean, they're a new sponsor, but they're also an old friend of mine. I'm talking about Lifetime Windows and Siding. I have endorsed Lifetime Windows and Siding for a long, long time. They are the most trusted siding company in Colorado. Thinking about making a change to your windows or siding? Choose from classic or contemporary looks to take your home to the next level. And you'll also feel great about your choice because their sales team uses a no-pressure, consultative approach. And they carry only the highest quality products like James Hardy Siding, the number one siding brand in all of North America. And they offer a lifetime warranty that covers all labor, and covers all materials. Check it out for yourself. All you have to do is go to lifetimewindows.com for information on choices, consultations, and installation. That's Lifetime Windows and Siding. Transform your home with the one you trust. Time for me to talk about Molly's Spirits. Can you believe it's already November? You know what that means, right? Ready or not, here comes the holidays, and there's no better spot to get absolutely everything you want for those friends and family gatherings than Molly Spirits. From literally thousands of beers and wines and spirits, you'll find absolutely everything you need in one stop. Now, if you find yourself hosting and you're not exactly sure what you want to serve, there's always somebody at Molly's to help you choose. Or you can just hop online at mollyspirits.com and check out their staff picks and also their featured products. And if you're headed out to friends or family for the holidays, do yourself a favor or do your friends and family a favor. Stop by Molly's to pick up that perfect bottle to say thank you or maybe I'm sorry. Or how about a Molly's gift card? Head on out to their lakeside location at 44th and Harland or their DTC location at the Arapahoe Marketplace next to Sprouts. This week on the Dave Logan Podcast, guest host Mike Rice joins Julie to talk about what the Broncos have to do to get better in the second half and remembering the great Peter McNabb. I was so fortunate to work with him. I did pregame with him for like five years and he was such a wonderful man. Everything indicated he was not only a great hockey man, but as you said, Julie, just a great man. If you asked him a hockey question or if you heard him explain something about the intricacies of the game, he always did it because he wanted you to know. This is the Dave Logan Podcast. Welcome to the Dave Logan Podcast. This is episode number 146. And... I decided since it was a, a bye week that Dave should actually get to enjoy the bye week. So I have brought in, as he usually comes in when Dave can't do it, and we, we are so glad to have a Mike Rice from 850 KOA, the pregame host for the Broncos, the halftime host, and the postgame host. I feel like every time on a Sunday that I turn on the radio, I get to hear you. Well, there it I is. Love. Yeah, it's great to be back. Thanks yeah. as always. Yeah, no, it's good. I'm glad uh, that you are here. How was your bye week? Bye week was good. I, uh-huh. I just need to make one slight correction. I think it's post-game psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Have you been dealing with such anger? There's been some angst. We'll put it that way. There has been. I think the win over Jacksonville helped. Yeah. For sure, which mm-hmm. is good. They had to get that win. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't... I don't want to think about what would have happened had they gone into the bye two and six with a loss to Jacksonville, which at the time had lost four in a row. Yeah. But it was good to see them get that win. I don't know that anything is going to be super impressive for this team in the short run. But I think Dave has probably echoed some of the same sentiments. Over the long haul, I'm generally optimistic, although I do have more questions than I did two months ago about how good this team could be 
Will Nathaniel Hackett figure it out to an appropriate level, right? Will Russell Wilson finally settle into the offense? Those questions are a little bit deeper for me right now, but generally I'm still optimistic. So I want to go down the road of those questions. I do want to say this very quickly because I don't want to end the podcast on this because, but I do want to, um, by the, the time that people listen to this podcast, they will be well aware that Avalanche broadcaster Peter McNabb passed away over the weekend. I was so fortunate to work with him. I did pregame with him for like five years. Um, and he was such a wonderful man. And in this business, um, man, you just don't run into the Peter McNabs of the world. So I just wanted to acknowledge Peter and how much he'll be missed. And I know that you knew him as well. I did not as well as you. And unfortunately, I never had the chance to work with Peter, which would have been incredible just because the interactions I had covering the team at practice or, you know, on game nights here and there and just seeing him and he would come on Colorado's morning news fairly regularly, certainly during the playoffs last year when the Avs were making the run to the cup. Everything indicated he was not only a great hockey man, but as you said, Julie, just a great man and showed us all. I think that you can always treat people well. And that should be something that we all do. And and it, it saddened me so much to read of his passing and to hear of it over the weekend that we've all lost just a, a great guy, someone who was so passionate about hockey, too. In fact, we were thinking about this on the morning show on KOA this week, how he came and started doing color for the Avs when the team got here from mm-hmm. Quebec. And at that time, hockey was kind of a niche sport in Denver, maybe still is, but certainly at the pro level, nobody knew a lot about it. And I think, I don't think it's unfair to say, I think it's very appropriate to say that I think Peter helped educate fans about the sport of hockey. Granted, the Avs won the Stanley Cup their first year, so there was a ton of attention all of a sudden on the team, Mm -hmm. just in the general public. But that doesn't mean people know the game and learn the game and know who the players are and what they've contributed. And over the years, I really came to appreciate Peter for that, because if you asked him a hockey question or if you heard him explain something about the intricacies of the game, he always did it because he wanted you to know. He wanted you to learn, right. not like he was he knew more than right, you did. or he was never condescending about it. And I always appreciated that because I learned a lot from him about hockey beyond just the type of person he was. That's a great point, because hockey, um, there's some. The hockey crowd is weird. There's a, I wouldn't say it's all now. <laughs> no, it's okay. I don't work for the hockey crowd anymore. Right. Um, so it can be an exclusive group and that you don't know this. And, and that's a great point about Peter. He just wanted you to share and his passion for it. So I, yeah, we don't want to, um, you know, we want to get to the Broncos, but he really made such an impact on so many people. And I know if Dave were here doing the podcast right now, um, he would have just such wonderful things to say about him as well. So no question. Yeah. We've lost a good one. We have, yes, we have lost a good one. Okay. So I heard after the win in London, I heard you talking to Dave in the post game and you said, do you think that this is the win that's kind of going to turn him around or or something to that effect? And he took a minute or a second. He thought, God, I know I'm supposed to say yes, basically, but I don't know Mm -hmm. if this is, and I think that's very fair. And I was just curious if you thought the same way that that was, did that really make you feel like, okay, we've got something here or are we still, is the jury still out? I think for me, the jury's still out. There's no question for me, the jury's still out. In fact, I remember during that game when I was in the studio, 
and getting the work done that I needed to get done and watching it at the same time, I was thinking, okay, I, th- I think they're going to come back and win this game. And assuming they do, there's still a ton of questions and a ton of issues. The game that, that really turned it for me to not the negative, but to really seriously wondering if this ship is going to get righted under Nathaniel Hackett either this year or soon after was the prior game against the Jets. At that point, it was like, you know, okay, I, this is this is too much of the same thing, which is a lot of struggles and quite honestly, ineptitude on offense. And so going into the Jacksonville game, number one, it was like, find a way to win no matter what. But if you don't blow them out, which I didn't expect the Broncos to blow out the Jaguars, then to me, there's still a lot of questions. I'm still optimistic, generally, as I said a minute ago, that they will get it and that Russell will settle into the offense and know the offense and have it become second nature. And I think Nathaniel Hackett's made some strides in the game management, the tempo of calling plays and all of those good things. But you still got to win games, Julie. That's why... This game this week, I think, is so important. Tennessee's still a pretty good club. They play Kansas City mm-hmm. very close on Monday night. And you go there, you have to deal with Derrick Henry, a pretty good Titans defense, Mike Vrabel, who, as a head coach, seems to be able to move chess pieces uh, pretty well. There's still a lot of questions about the Broncos, but let's see what I, I, I still take it week by week. Let's see what they do this week, how they do it or don't do it. And then I guess I can reevaluate what I think after that. That's kind of how I'm taking it right now. So we all got to take a breath after the win against Jacksonville. But then, you know, heading into this week against the Titans, the numbers are still so ugly. 31st in scoring, 29th in first downs, tied for last in touchdown passes per game, last in red zone touchdown percentage, 31st in third down conversion rate. I mean, one win, and we're going to talk about some of those questions. Um, I just never thought, nobody did, right? Not to that degree. I thought there'd be some struggles. Yes. And when I looked at the schedule, and you never know how other teams are going to improve. I mean, nobody saw the Jets being six and three either. That's kind of been a fun story. Right, exactly. (laughs) And and so you you never quite know. But I had them 11 and six before the year, as Mm -hmm. dangerous it is to pick every game in early August. But- I saw some struggles and some adjusting. I did not see it to this degree. I didn't see the learning curve being this steep. It's been really steep. And to this point, I mean, to me, someone could say, okay, Mike, what what is your definition of the Broncos figuring it out? Well, you got to get up to 24, 28 points a game, right? Ultimately, it's about points scored. And you've got to look like you're in a flow offensively and you know what you're doing and you're executing on a consistent basis. They haven't done any of that. The numbers bear it out. Uh, In some respects, you could say they're lucky to have three wins. On the other hand, you could say, well, they could easily be five and three because they've been in every game. Only one game has been a two possession game, which was the loss to the Raiders. There hasn't been a 10 point differential in any of them. But you're right, Julie, I did not see the struggles to be this severe out of the gate. Let's talk about offensively and getting that that offense going, getting Cortland Sutton going, or have we 
I had such high expectations for Carlin. I just thought every year he was gonna gonna keep growing. That we haven't necessarily seen that. But also getting Dulcich Dulcich more into the mix. God, that was if you want to talk about a positive for that last game, my big God, time. big yeah. time. KJ Hamler getting you know more touches and and how they're gonna do that. It seems so elementary, and you know I don't pretend to be a coach, and that's why they get the, paid the big bucks. But we do want to. We have to see it. I agree, and I don't know how much of it is. You know, other teams saying, you know what, for right now, with that offense struggling, we will focus on Cortland Sutton because we think we can contain Jerry Judy or KJ Hamler or now Greg Dulcich a little bit better. The Broncos haven't run the ball effectively pretty much all year long. So maybe Chase Edmonds, who came over in the Bradley Chubb trade, maybe he helps, especially as a third down change of pace, whether it be running or catching the ball out of the backfield. But I mean, the Broncos offense just hasn't shown any sort of consistent flow and execution and production. So I think it's enabled defensive coordinators to say, all right, you know, what what do we think we need to take away first? And if I'm a D coordinator, which clearly I'm not, never have been and never will be, I would have to look at Cortland Sutton as being pretty close to the top of the list, don't you? Oh, yeah. As the guy to focus on and take away, because you know that guy can beat you. You know 14 can. Judy's come on a little bit. Hamler has started to flash, but they don't have the experience that Court does in the NFL as a productive receiver. You know what's unfortunate, and we haven't talked about it for a long time because it's it seems so long ago, but there was never chemistry. Wilson and, and Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton never had that time in preseason to develop that chemistry. I don't know who he has chemistry with right, really right now because it's so kind of hit and miss. But I guess you would like to have seen that work some of those kinks out, right? Yeah, I was of the mind when they didn't play their starters at all during the preseason. Like, you know, I get it. I'm okay with it. And looking back now, I've come more to the place where I think Dave has landed all along, which is I think you got to give them some reps because let's face it, protecting them from injury hasn't worked either. Been yeah. a lot of top line guys who went down. I would say too, in terms of Sutton, I mean, anytime you have you lose a top receiver kind of guy like Tim Patrick, it's not going to yeah. help you. And it's not going to help Sutton individually. I still think they have some other weapons, the guys mm-hmm. we mentioned. Mm-hmm. But Patrick was pretty steady out there. I think we're finding out that they miss him as they should. I mean, he was their number two guy. He was steady and he was popular and he was a good person to have in the locker room. All and of that. All of that. And then I just saw an article article that Mark Kisler wrote about Bradley Chubb and that not it wasn't just about production, but he was just a good guy to have on the team. So, all right, let's look at this team right now as we head into the second half of the season. Who are the guys that's grabbing this team by the bootstraps? Well, I think on defense, I think Justin Simmons, who was probably one of those guys already, mm-hmm. takes a bigger role or becomes... I don't know if you become a better leader because Chubb is gone, but I think he he is certainly a guy that the defense has to look to. Mm-hmm. And that would be the guy I would point to first. I mean, I, I think so much offensively hinges on your quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Russell Wilson still needs to settle in. That's easy for me to say, right? I mean, I'm watching the game. I've never thrown a pass or don't know the X's and O's like those guys. But we all know so much of it is determined by the quarterback. And I don't think it's any huge criticism either to say that 
it doesn't look like he's settled in yet. I think Russell Wilson has plenty of very, very, very good football left. I still love the trade. I think long term it's going to be it was completely necessary for the Broncos to make that trade. But it's taking some time for that offense to figure it out. I mean, that's undeniable. Are you confident that we're going to see who we thought we were going to get and why? This year? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> I, I still I still say yes. I just... And why? I, because I think there's there's still talent there. And I'm I'm just not ready to say, pull the plug on Nathaniel Hackett. I just... I want to see how the rest of this year, they have nine games left. Mm-hmm. They have nine games left. That's a lot of football. If we're talking about the same numbers that you gave a moment ago in two plus months at the first of the year or just in early January, then I think all the conversations are on the table. And I think all the conversations have started to be, you know, they've, they've been had or they've started mm-hmm. to be had, if that's the right way to put it, in the building. That's just. I think it's natural. NFL owners and front office people like George Payton don't want to go through this. It's one thing to struggle. It's another thing to basically have no offense to speak of. And that's where the Broncos have been. We have to be honest. Is Russell Wilson for a full year going to be the quarterback of that kind of offense? The answer could be yes. I still, there's still a big part of me that has to see that to believe it. You know what I think is so uh, one of the frustrating things, and I, I never want to see somebody lose their job. Never. Never. Right? Uh, ever. So I want Nathaniel Hackett to succeed for so many reasons. Seems like a good dude, right? He must be, God knows what's going on behind closed doors. You cannot be that happy all the time when stuff is, you, I just, right? Like. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I there, you know, it's interesting because then this really takes the off-ramp to leadership and mm. and what happens under adverse circumstances. Yeah. And how do each of us, and I'm not going to wax too philosophical, but I do think it's a cogent point and topic because when things aren't going well and you're trying to get them well, if you're the head coach, if you're the quarterback, guys are looking to you, right? If if you're the head of an organization, and things aren't going well or as expected or whatever, your employees are looking to you for morale, for for leadership, for something that they can latch on to, right? And so I think it's really important that Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett in particular say the right things and do the right things. We We as fans or as people who cover the team can say, well, he's just saying that, or it sounds corny because they've lost four in a row going into the Jacksonville game. But if you're a player, what do you want to hear? Do you want to hear your quarterback tell everybody how bad the offense has been? I See, so there's a disconnect because you and I and fans, Broncos country, they just want to see a win. But I think the people who are invested the most, the players, the coaching staff, the front office, if I were one of the owners, I'd be saying, how are my people handling these circumstances? I think it's really important. I do. And that's that's just one reason why I understand how the positive attitude can come across when the offense is this bad or the record is like, oh my goodness, they're three and five or two and five. But what's the alternative? I think you have to you have to project that and it has to come from a sincere place. 
Now, the last point, Julie, we don't know. I mean, I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett's just putting on airs or if Russell Wilson is just, you know, spouting off cliches. But I tell you what, if I'm in that building, I better see some leadership out of people like that. And I well, think we are, don't you? You know, some people want to see the other side of it of, you know, somebody getting up there and saying this bleep is unacceptable. It's we're going to make the cha- a more hardened approach because that's how people are feeling. But then again, if you take that approach and you start calling people out and it doesn't get better, then you're really six feet under. Like if you're trying to be more, hold it more, make it more cohesive, cohesive and holding people together, then at least you still have that. If you start pointing the fingers at your players and your players are pointing at you, then then those nine games are going to go extremely terribly. I I think, though, two points. Number one, I I know Broncos country has listened when Coach Hackett's talked to Dave or Coach Hackett has talked to the media after games or during the week. He has not been always like, hey, it's no big deal. I mean, I remember after I think it was the Jets game, he said, this is unacceptable. We cannot do this. We have to be better in this area. You know, guys need to know that. And and it starts with me. I mean, he has, Mm -hmm. I think, to some degree of an appropriate level said this is this cannot continue the other thing we don't know is what's being said in the building what's being said during the meetings what's being said during film sessions what is coach hackett saying to his assistants and the position group guys the the assistant coaches who are leading position groups about how are we going to address these guys so that we don't lose them but also so they know that we to me, the message would have to be, you guys are better than this. And I do think there's more talent on that roster th- than we've seen in terms of quality of play. So I think they've. there's no question they've underachieved. But you still have to you have to be careful, I think, just from a, per, a, a people skill standpoint, right, on 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 how you deliver that message. So you mentioned the assistant coaches. I wish that on the. Defensive side of the ball with Evero. I mean, that, you know, we may not see him here that much longer next year, right? He's kind of building himself his own little stardom here in Denver. His right? resume. His, he's building his resume. He is. But he also has, I think they, Dom Capers was a consultant. Um, Bill Kolar, I think, was still a consultant on the team. They had kind of kept him over. I don't know. I wish that with all these new faces, especially, you know, on the offensive end, I wish that Nathaniel Hackett had somebody that's been there, done that, has seen this, somebody that he could walk into their office and go, spill it. We don't need to know what it is, right? But when you have all these people in new positions and learning on their own, who are you learning from? And what they brought in Jerry Rosberg, sort of that voice in what, week three, maybe? Maybe week four, I can't remember exactly. But you're right. And even now, it sounds like, because George Payton said it, I'm going to leave the play calling decision to Nathaniel Hackett. And it sounds like my observation is Nathaniel Hackett's going to be the primary play caller most of the time, if not all the time. And he's willing to ride that horse. And if that horse takes him to more success, that's great. And if that horse gets him fired, then it sure seems like he's willing to ride it there because he has been pretty consistent in saying, I'm going to keep calling plays. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be that way. I know a lot of Broncos country thinks there should be a sharing or a change there. I don't know. I haven't 
I can't decide where I come down on that yet. But just from an observational standpoint, he's pretty clear saying I'm the play caller and that's not changing. Well, isn't that why he was brought in yes. to be an innovative play caller? Now, that was for Aaron Rodgers, but you would hope. We well, how's would that hope. working out in Green Bay? Right. So so if again, not to interrupt, but to interrupt people who say, well, Nathaniel Hackett, he's the newbie, he's the newbie. And I know Matt LaFleur was pretty much the play caller in Green Bay when Nathaniel Hackett was there. But I mean, if you go just by on how they're doing with Hackett out of the picture, I think you have to say he meant something up there. And Aaron Rodgers has spoken and very highly of Nathaniel Hackett, you know, especially in the first few weeks of the season when the struggles out of the gate were really severe. So I th- that's why I think as much as I want to say, let's define it all right now. I need an ant. I want to see it play out. I really do. And I'm hopeful. I said before, I'm still optimistic. I'm hopeful that they'll they'll improve. What other questions do you have uh, on this team as we head into those nine games that you would like to see somewhat of an answer? I, I, I mean, to me, offensively is where most of the questions lie. All, the offensive line has been inconsistent at best. And I'm thinking particularly in the time they're giving Russell Wilson to throw the ball and and. No quarterback, including Tom Brady in his prime, Peyton Manning in his prime, operates as well when he's pressured. That's just a no-brainer. And Mm -hmm. we've seen it. We've seen, I mean, go back to the AFC Championship, the year the Broncos won Super Bowl 50. They, They, I think they had 22 or 23 or 24 pressures or hits or sacks on Brady. It was incredible the pressure they generated. And they rendered him a pretty average quarterback that day. And it was still a close game. So I don't think Russell Wilson's had great time to throw all the time. Mm-hmm. Has he missed reads? No question. Is he fluent and fluid in the offense? No, not yet. But he hasn't had a lot of protection. Have there been injuries up front? Yes. Longer term, I want to see how they fix the offensive line, but that's for the offseason, free agency in the draft, because they didn't obviously trade for an offensive lineman. That's the biggest question to me. Can this team get better offensively? And I don't know the answer. I mean, I mean, score let's let's shoot for twenty points per game. Whoa. Right? That's right? five more points. Yes. Okay. Okay. But think of think of the bar that is so low. And I'm not <laughs> trying to beat the horse deader, as I like to say, but <laughs> I mean, it's Better. it's incredible how how much they've struggled just to be a little bit productive. It was so much fun. I know it was just one game and it was the Jags. But to see them put together three longer drives to see, especially the longer drives, right? Um, not three and out all the time. But to see Russell Wilson be Russell Wilson, it gives you, even though the season has been a punch in the gut, at times it does as a football fan, it does give you some kind of excitement and some kind of hope like, okay, it's still there. You know what my thought was, as I was watching those drives, this looks like real football again. (laughs) I know It, it was, I mean, and again, that's because they have struggled and we know this, they've just struggled a lot offensively. It was refreshing, but the next step then is, okay. So they go up on the Jaguars. I'm trying to get my score, right? Um, they go up on the Jaguars with the touchdown, and then they hold the Jaguars, right? And then they have the ball back, and they can't add on and really, in essence, put the game away. 
Okay, so now it's like, how about more than three drives? Yes, we are demanding in Broncos country, but that's where this team has to get to. The fact they drove 75, 80, and 98 Mm -hmm. yards in that game without some of the guys that we've talked about and that everybody knows about who are hurt, I think was a huge step. We had not seen that in one game this year. They have to be able to build on that. I think I had read that like right before one of those longer drives, Russell Wilson in the in the huddle said, OK, guys, we're get ready to score or something. He, they had to score because you have to have something behind all of this verbiage that he has. Right. Like we needed he needed that more as much as anybody did to kind of continue this like we're going to be OK. We're going to put it together. You have to have a moment or else you just get tuned out. Well, you actually have to put it together and yeah. execute it. And yeah. maybe that was the reason for his, I think, pretty emotional response after Latavius Murray scored on that touchdown run to put him in the lead. Right. Mm-hmm. As Dave described, I mean, he went to a knee. Both fists were clenched. That meant something to Russell Wilson, because you're right. You can only talk a good game so long. But see, this is where I, I still look at the talent that he has in my mind and other people have on that offense. And I say to myself, there have to be more moments like that. I, I just have to believe there are going to be more moments like that. Uh, and again, I'm hopeful. There's no guarantee, but I'm hopeful that that they'll have some more of those starting Sunday against the Titans. So I know at the start of the season, we talked about, okay, well, they got to get off to a quick start because it gets tougher, right? (laughs) How'd that work? How'd that work out? Yeah. So pick a couple games that you can kind of circle and go, it's so hard to ask this question because it doesn't mean what it did, but kind of key games in what you see, what you think the season could turn into. I think this season, I think I just saw there was an 11% chance that they're going to make the playoffs. Well, they're safe to say they're not going to make the playoffs. Okay. I think the, the focus is just let's stack some games together where we play well. Yeah. Because I think there's a chance that, and and I know the schedule, at least at the beginning of the year, it's like, oh, that back half of the schedule is really tough. And it is. You have Kansas City twice, right? You got to mm-hmm. go to Baltimore. Uh, I haven't looked at it for a couple of weeks. And obviously ten, at Tennessee is a very tough game. Yeah. That would be huge if they won that. Right. Okay. So, and, and I know Dave talked about this during the bye week on the KOA sports zoo. And I completely agree with him. You look at this game against the Titans and you say, again, doesn't matter how find a way to go on the road and pull it off. So then they're four and five and you have the Raiders here and the Raiders are a hot mess. And I completely agree with that. They'll be desperate. It's the Raiders. There's no guarantee, but I'd like to think in Denver that the Broncos could win that game. Mm-hmm. Have to play well, have to keep playing better, sure. keep improving. But if if somehow you pull that off, you're 500 and you got seven games left. Well, a lot can happen in seven games. And that's to say nothing of what the confidence could be for the for the Broncos if they indeed find a way to win two. Now, the other side of me says, what evidence have I seen that this team can win two games in a row. It would be three if you add the Jacksonville game. So I don't know. I mean, they haven't shown that. I mean, I have to be honest and say they haven't shown the ability to win three games in a row. That Tennessee game would be huge. It'd be huge. It'd be massive. It'd be a road game that you kind of steal, right? In quotes. 
that maybe you don't expect to win. I mean, I'm not talking from the player standpoint, but I'm talking from our standpoint as fans mm-hmm. before the year started. And, and I mean, you still got to go to Baltimore, like I said, but the Ravens defense doesn't seem to be what it was. Mm-hmm. And again, I, if those teams met today, I mean, you pick the Ravens all day long. They're the better team. And they, but I'm, I mean, I'm shaking my head a little bit because it's such a key game. I'm not going to lie. I feel semi like a little positive at the end of this. Well, I'm not saying that I think they're going to win. I'm saying (laughs) that they they somehow have to find a way to win. And obviously you've got, I mean, Derrick Henry is the focus this week. Yes. You know, if Ryan Tannehill plays, I don't know if he will, then it's like, fine. I'll take my chances with Pat Sertan on one side and even Damari Mathis on the other and 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 you beat me, Ryan Tannehill, or if it's Malik Willis, mm-hmm. you know, hey, if if the kid can beat me, so be it. But we are we are gang tackling Derrick Henry. That's easier said than done. That guy is a beast. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been times where I've ended this podcast with Dave and we've wanted to bang our head, like literally bang our heads against the wall, like literally. But well, you see this little black and blue. It's, <laughs> Did that happen? It's almost healed from the bye week, Julie. Uh, as I let you go, do you have any memorable texts that you received on the or phone calls? Because you host the post game, and it it who people can be brutal. Yes. Well, yes, I do. I'm not going to share it because it, it was, was so bad. It's a little bit personal towards George Payton. Okay. Which I think, I mean, my general philosophy is. Look, say whatever you want, but th- this guy said what he said, which was not a kind thing. It, it wasn't a dump button where I had to, you know, it wasn't a profanity, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. He, he didn't. It, he didn't say a very nice. nice thing to George about George. Okay, and I and I just said, and then he hung up. Oh, said on, it dude. and hung up. I said, come on, man. I yeah. said that you can't do that. You want to say he's. Not done a good job, and that's paraphrasing, <laughs> making it rated G. <laughs> that's fine, but have a discussion about it. Yes. But don't call in what may have been a drunken stupor. <laughs> and, Most likely. And, and call out George Payton in the way you did. And But I get it. Fans are emotional, and, and, and they have a right to be. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think part of my job in hosting that show is is to look at the bigger picture. And talk about the bigger picture, which is how a team is played, what we think the prospects are, a lot of what we've done here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm hopeful. I, that's about the third time I've said it. I'm <laughs> hopeful because I really, really want them to play better, Julie. Oh, I know God, you life do is too. better when they win. I know. It, life is better, right? I mean. Well, you want to see that. You know, I just believe they're a better team. Yes. I want to be right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't we all? Well, Mike, thank you so You're much. You're welcome. Thanks for having uh, me back. Yep. And we will talk to you again, I'm sure, during uh, this season. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. See you soon. Hey, let me take a minute and talk to you about Boyer's Coffee. Man, I do love them. Fall starting to get a little frosty out there, especially in the mornings. What better way to keep you warm than a hot cup of Boyer's Coffee? From their classic Colorado roast like Aspen Gold, Denver Blend, and Colorado Cafe Blend to their flavored coffees like Toffee Caramel Crunch, Boyer's has what you need to start your morning the right way. So, what makes Boyer's different than the other brands? 
For over 50 years, Boyer's Coffee has been made with 100% Arakaba beans, which are slow roasted at altitude. And that means less humidity and a slower burn, resulting in a really unique, flavorful cup of coffee. Now, if you haven't tried Boyer's yet, do yourself a favor and give it a try. You can find Boyer's Coffee at King Supers, Safeway, Costco, Sam's Club, and Walmart. Or, better yet, just hop online at boyerscoffee.com to choose the perfect coffee for you and your family. Boyer's Coffee, roasted at altitude in Denver since 1965. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is pulling you in the center of the action with endless ways to make it rain this week. Sports betting has never been this convenient. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet from anywhere the app is available. And if you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new players a deposit bonus of up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code LOGAN, my last name. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet, from live betting to betting on your your favorite players. They really do it all. Check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day this week to cash in on their daily odds boost. New boosts are posted every single day for all the biggest sporting events. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure. It's really easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money whenever you want to. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code LOGAN, L-O-G-A-N, when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code LOGAN to get a deposit bonus of up to $1,000 for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.